Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking tonight about something that I was actually asked to circle back and drop deeper into, which is what I'm always telling y'all to feel free to do in our DMs, where you drop both the questions you want answered, but also topics you want us to cover, things you want us to drop back into. And someone said, hey, can you talk a little bit more about attachment theory? Now, for those that aren't familiar with it, it's a theory that helps us understand why we are the way we are within relationships. And it's really about intimacy and closeness and how we show up and what we can tolerate, we really wrap it around in safety and trust. Are you able to trust? Are you, because it's about our relationship to others and others' relationship to ourselves. And it's really looking at how our early dynamic with our primary caregivers sets us up to believe that people can be trusted and are safe and can become a resource. And we either are very secure in that and we don't worry, we don't panic, we can tolerate disagreement and absence and we don't imagine that we've been left or abandoned. Or we're more anxious, which means we are constantly worried that something might be wrong or off. We don't feel safe when we haven't heard from them or connected with them. Uh, We're afraid of abandonment. That's the anxiety or the avoidant, where we don't really know how to be present. We want to be close. We want to have relationships, but they overwhelm us. Uh, We've been raised in a family where we didn't, we weren't, we weren't in relationship, relationships that were safe for us to be a part of or to rely on or to lean into. And so as a result, we lean out. Anxiety-driven people, the anxiously attached, are always kind of chasing, wanting more. They're coming off as needy, codependent, where the avoidant people seem distant, cold, and unavailable, but yet want to be. And that's a distinction. Some people aren't interested. And they shouldn't be acting interested. But for those that are, but struggle to be present and lean in, those are the avoidance. And we're always looking for secure partners and we're always trying to create a secure relationship. And um, we're trying to live more securely from our own selves until that becomes who we are. So it's really about figuring out, are we secure? Are we anxious? Are we avoidant? And also assessing which, uh, what kind of partner we might have. And that helps us uh, really look at what the work is, what our work is, what their work, and what we need to create to heal each other. Um, these things can change. We can do what we call earned secure attachment, which means we do the work and we become more secure, less anxious, less avoidant. And... Um, how we present can also change relationship by relationship based on who we're responding to. Um, someone who's very secure will make us less anxious, but if we're dating someone avoidant, we'll be even more anxious because they're never present where someone secure would be. Someone secure would let us know what's going on, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. We never really have to worry. So 
we grow, we change, and it's very relationally dependent. These are loose working things. Don't make the don't don't take these too seriously. These are just again to help us identify what our work is, what we need to do to create safety with another, and to better understand what our partner might need so they can give us what we need. So I've said this on the show many, many, many times. I'm going to say it again. What we're ideally trying to create with another person and offer them, and what we're ideally looking to find in another person are four qualities. Consistent, available, reliable, and responsive. Be that person. Be consistent. Be available. Be reliable and be responsive. If and only if, though, you do want a serious, committed, primary relationship with this person. If you don't, then you might not want to apply that because that's what that's about building, a primary, secure, attached relationship, which is the healthiest, most secure style we have. And also, seek to only build relationships with people that are able and acting consistent, available, reliable, or responsive. Because if they're not, then they're either not interested, not looking for something secure and primary, which is also okay, but good to know, or they're avoidant or anxious. So ideally, you want someone consistent, available, reliable, and responsive, and ideally, that's also what you bring and offer someone else. Again, we want to understand why, if not that. And, excuse me, for those that want adult, serious, committed relationships, um, that's what the work is about. Uh, Most important relational role for us with anyone is to create and enhance security. You want people to feel secure in relationship to you. You want people to feel secure in the role you play in their life. Again, we're looking at ourselves first. Are we creating security or are we doing things that make the people in relationship to us feel insecure and feel anxious and feel bad? If you're doing that, stop doing that. We don't want to make people feel that way. We want them to feel secure and safe with us. We want to, as I always say, leave people better off from having been in our presence. We want to leave people better better off for us having been brought into their life. Again, I say over and over, when you're in a committed primary relationship with someone, even a social one, a sexual one, a romantic one, whatever it is, we want to understand that that person's in our care and we will impact them. We'll make them feel safe or we'll make them feel unsafe. We will trigger their avoidance or their anxiety, or we will be secure and make them feel secure and create a secure relationship together. So we're going to talk about all those different ins and outs. What's anxious? What's avoidant? What's the work if you identify yourself as anxious? What's the work if you identify yourself as avoidant? What does secure look like? Because that's what we're working towards and what we're looking for in someone else. And we're going to talk about all of that. So um, stick around for that. Really good stuff. Helps us understand where we're at, what needs to be done. Um, It's a loose perspective. Apply it. Shifts and changes. It's not to make you feel bad, not to create any shame, but just to, again, understand how we move through the world in relationships. So uh, coming up, we'll be getting back to that. Of course, we'll be doing some DMs, so drop some DMs in our Loveline IG page. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, we'll be back. So stick around, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, so uh, stick around. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we are back and we're talking about attachment because this is a perspective that helps us understand what our work is so as to create a safe and secure relationship with someone else also helps us understand what we're looking for in a partner. What are the signs that this person is secure? Meaning they're also able to bring that back to us. Uh, it's not that we can't date people that are anxious or avoidant, but if they're anxious, that might feel overwhelming. Might Whatever we do might not be good enough. If they're avoidant, it might be really hard to ever connect and get traction with them because although they want relationship, they're a little overwhelmed by it and they're kind of leaning out when they need to be leaning in. We wanna understand our style. Always knowing that it can change relationship to relationship and that these are things that are really built into us in our early environment. We get an internal working model, an internalized idea as to what to expect from other people. Were our caregivers available? Were they consistent? Were they reliable? Were they there when we needed them? Did they teach us to trust that other people are there and accessible and will help regulate you? Or did our parents let us self-soothe and cry ourselves to sleep, which actually is not us learning self-soothing. It's us collapsing and giving up because we realize no one's going to come and help us. And then as children and, and adults, we stop going to other people because as children, we were taught, you're on your own, kiddo. Cried out, figure it out. We need parents in our youth to be there with us through all of it. We learn to self-regulate by people being there to help us co-regulate. You are not raising dependent children. You're raising healthy children that are internalizing this idea that there are people there for me. You can turn to people. So we need adults to be there with us as children through all of those stages and to help soothe us and to be accessible and to be consistent and reliable. We definitely rip kids out of parents' care way too quickly. We over-obsess and idealize independence and individualism. We are not independent. We are not individuals. We are relationally created. We thrive and do better within relationships. Co-regulation, which means the support of someone else, is the better, most impactful way for us to soothe ourselves. We need other people. We need to stop shaming and pathologizing that. That's how we create a lot of these issues, is really pathologizing people needing each other. And that's in fact absolutely what we need. And we take all that into our adult lives 
And then we either have it healed by having a secure relationship with someone who's consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. And we're like, bam, we can trust this person. Or it's quite the opposite. Because what we really need is a safe haven and a secure base. A safe haven means I have a partner that I trust is there for me if I need them. I also have what we call a secure base, which means I trust that my partner has my back even when they're not around. And with that encouragement, with that knowledge, I can go off into the world confidently and be my best because I leave them feeling confident, knowing they're there. And I also know that they'll be there when I return. That's what we're looking for. And that's why we use the words consistent, available, reliable, and responsive. That's what builds that. Don't date people who don't offer those things. Sometimes an avoidant dates an avoidant. Nothing gets off the ground. Sometimes an anxious person dates an avoidant. That means the anxious person's always chasing after the avoidant person. The avoidant person's always feeling overwhelmed. That doesn't work. Anxious dating anxious can also be Pretty awesome because both people are kind of really wanting a lot of closeness and together time. That can be great. So can someone secure dating someone anxious because they can maybe soothe you and help you realize someone's there. I can trust people. So these different configurations can work well. Sometimes they work horribly. An avoidant with an avoidant will never get off the ground, won't even happen. And an anxious with an avoidant, both people will pretty much be made miserable unless unless you do the work, which is what we're going to talk about on the show today, how to heal that. Uh, ideally, you want to date someone secure, and ideally, it's a secure person with a secure person. They're able to be vulnerable. They're able to be present. They can handle closeness. They're transparent. They let you know what they want. They follow up on what they say they're going to do. They're an adult. That's the goal. So again, we're trying to leave people better off. We're not trying to harm people. We're not dating and forming relationships so people's lives are made harder and they have more trust issues. We're trying to do the opposite, which is why I keep saying your job when you enter someone's life in whatever capacity is to enhance their sense of safety and security, not to do things to make them to undermine that actually. So we want to leave people better off and we want to date and be in relationships with people that can leave us better off. That's why we always talk about deal breakers and red flags and really kind of tracking that and being better about that. So um, what do we do to create security? Well, the first thing is be available, be available, be available. And if you're not interested in being available or you don't want to be available to that person, make that known because it's in the confusion that the damage is done where you're kind of available or they misunderstand what's possible and they're chasing after you. And sometimes you're there, sometimes you're not be available or don't let them know what's going on. Also allow people to be dependent, let dependence occur. That is the, that is what relationships about is interdependence, counting on people, fusing, bonding, connecting. We're getting away from the sense of individualism. It's toxic. It doesn't even exist. We need other people. We are connected to other people. We are responsible for other people. We have to get right away from these arbitrary boundaries. Um, also comfort people. Be there for them and with them through their time of need. That is part of great creating that security and that safety. Is again, trusting when I'm having a tough time, when I'm down, people are there with me through it especially our primary relational partners. Also empower and encourage people. Don't, don't put them down. Don't name call. Don't make someone feel worse. Make people feel better. Get in the habit of encouraging, empowering, and complimenting your partner. That is your job. You shouldn't be making them feel worse and putting them down and taking advantage of their wounds. That is you being abusive. Instead, empower them, encourage them, help them tap into their best, their strength, compliment them, make them feel good for being around you. They will then give that back. That is what primary partnership is about, empowerment and enhancement, not depletion and exhaustion. If that's what you have, work on it or get out. That is not what we're doing. So again, encouragement and empowerment. Also, as I just kind of said, boost their self-esteem. Let the relationship be an enhancement. 
better off. So that's the secure part. Be available. Let them be dependent on you. Comfort them. Empower and encourage. Be a part of boosting their self-worth and self-esteem, not part of undermining and eroding at it. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to we're going to come back, do some DMs. Actually no, we're going to come back and talk more about this and then we'll do some DMs. Uh got that kind of backwards. Um so stick around for that. Track where you fall within all these different labels, secure, avoidant, anxious, and then you'll have a sense of what your work is and also understand your partner, which one are they, so as to understand what they might need from you. That's the twist. And then we're going to do some DMs. So stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, right now we're just kind of talking about attachment theory. We're looking at the different kinds, secure, avoidant, anxious, really talking about what it is we're trying to create. We need a vision. That's the map. This is what we're trying to build. And then also understanding which one we are so we know what our work is and also understanding what our partners might be so that we can help them also feel more secure. We are responsible for other people. Oh, yeah, you are. You are responsible for how other people feel. You are. You are responsible for what you make other people feel because we can make people feel things. That is part of humanity human relationships, interdependence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So secure people, what's going on with that? Those are people that effectively communicate. And again, this might be you, this might not be you, but I'm letting you know what it could look like and what you're trying to work towards. Secure people effectively communicate. That is ideally what you're going to offer, ideally what you're looking for. Uh, secure people make their, their needs known because they have confidence that my needs have worth and that if I ask for them, I might get them met. There, there's like an honesty in that. There's a transparency. There's also a confidence. So again, they communicate effectively and they make their needs known. Hey, this is what I look for. Hey, this is what I'm needing. They don't play games. If nothing else, hear that. Secure people don't play games. If you're dating someone who's playing games, they are not a securely attached person. They are not healthy. If you're playing games, you are not a securely attached, confident person. You are you are struggling. If you're playing games, you don't think you are worth wanting. If you're playing games, you don't think that person wants you as you are. If you're playing games, you're trying to manipulate and trick someone into being in a relationship with you. That will never make you feel safe and secure. That will never enhance your confidence and self-worth. That will never be sustainable. Don't play games and don't be with people that play games because again, healthy, secure people effective, effectively communicate and ask for their needs. They don't have any shame about it. They're okay with maybe this not working out because they're not trying to win anyone over or get anyone. They're looking to see if we are a match and if we're healthy for each other. And if so, they move forward and if not, they bounce. And game playing is a sign of immaturity and insecurity. No one who has self-worth is going to manipulate or trick or play games. And don't listen to the advice of people that talk about playing games because that's what they're reinforcing, manipulation and trickery, and it's abusive. Um, secure people also create closeness and togetherness. They create it, they crave it, they welcome it, they can tolerate it, they love closeness and togetherness. Secure people are also present, consistent, and reliable. And as you're going to hear in the other styles, anxious and avoidant, you'll see the opposite of some of that. Because anxious people haven't been shown that I can trust that you're going to be there, that you're reliable and consistent. And avoidant people have been overwhelmed. And they're not able to lean into all that and tolerate that. They lean out. And we're going to kind of break that down again in a minute. But I want you to know what the goal is, what, what, what we're working towards is secure. And some people inherently just move through the world that way because of their early upbringing. People were there for them. People were consistent. They were reliable. They don't worry. They know their needs will get met. They trust. They're accessible. Not everyone's able to be uh, shown that. And so in our adult lives, we look for that. We try to create that. 
Anxious people are often jealous. They're jealous of everything. Everything's a threat. They don't trust that I'm worth wanting. They don't trust that that person is going to be there for me. And everything feels like a threat. That's exhausting to them. That's exhausting to the partner. And sometimes that's what ruins the relationship. We're working on being with people that are worthy of us practicing trusting. Only date people that you trust. And then you can practice trusting because you could and should. But if you're dating someone who isn't worthy of trust, we can't do that work and you shouldn't even be with them. So find someone who's worthy of trust and then trust that jealousy and that worrying. Why haven't I heard from, why haven't I heard from them? Who are they with? What are they doing? That will burn you in the relationship out. The work is about practicing trust, which means when you're not there, I know that you're still there symbolically. Um, I believe you when you say you're doing what you're doing. I don't need to follow up and check on who you're with. Those are all acts of jealousy, worry, and anxiety. Resolve that. But we can only do that for actually with someone who's worthy of us learning how to let go. Anxiously attached people are also often controlling. Again, I'm going to try to control so I can feel safe. And uh, they're often very clingy. I don't know how to believe that you'll come back. I don't know how to symbolically trust that you're there even when you're not in front of me. Um, so they do a lot of toxic forms of monogamy. Anxious people want to know who you're with, where you're going. They want to go through your phone. None of that is healthy. So don't date that. And if you're someone who does that, work on reeling that back in and saying, I have to learn how to be more secure, which means not doing any of that. And then avoidant people, because they're afraid to really lean in and they can't tolerate closeness and commitment and intimacy very, very long or very deeply. They play games. They often act like they have a lot of cold feet. They're often very picky because it's hard for them to actually commit and stick through something. Um, they minimize and illegitimize commitment. They create a lot of distance and allow and want a lot of distance and space because, again, they don't feel close with a lot of commitment and togetherness and intimacy. And they always seem to be wanting perfection. And that's just a way that they're acting out that avoidance. Um, and we don't assign any of these labels to blame anyone. This isn't about blaming. This is about us looking at who we are and what our work is and also trying to understand our partner and what they might need from us because we're always trying to heal this stuff, not attack people. People sling these labels around, weaponizing them. You're a narcissist. You're an avoidant. No, that means you're not healthy if you're doing that. And that's not what this is about. So don't be that person. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs and then we'll bounce back into this um, so we can kind of figure out what the work is, what our work is. But if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Love hearing from y'all. Uh, we'll be back though. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, long-time listener. Thanks for all you do. I share your show and gems all the time. Thank you. That means a lot, truly. Thanks for uh, hanging in there and going on this uh, long journey with me. Uh, your question says, I've been thinking a lot lately about something I heard on your show a long time ago, and the only thing that's felt close to how I feel um, about my sexuality, being hetero relational and romantic and bisexual. I'm a woman in a relationship with a man only ever been romantic with men, but I've hooked up and enjoy hooking up with women since I was young. So thank you for bringing this topic back up. So for our listeners, basically what this question is reminding us is that there are two different orientations and a lot of us collapse them and make the assumptions that whoever or whatever gender you are romantically attracted to, that the sexual attraction is always the same, but they are actually two distinct processes. What that means is some people might be 
bisexual or pansexual, which means they're sexually attracted to all genders or the binary, but then they might be romantic with only one gender, meaning that is the gender that they are romantically drawn towards and have relationships with. So you could be, let's say, pansexual, bisexual, again, more creative, diverse, and then your romanticism is maybe heteroromantic or homoromantic, where it's same-sexed or opposite-sexed, but it can be separate from the genders you choose to have sex with. So romance and sex are two separate processes. Make sense? So for this person, um, they're saying I'm hetero-relational and romantic, so I like to date the opposite gender, but I'm bisexual, so my sexuality includes both genders. Uh, okay, back to the question. What my question is, is it fair to call myself bi when I don't want to be romantic with women? Is it something worth coming out about to my friends and family? Is it bi erasure if I don't talk about it? Does it really matter to anyone but my partner? I'm not having a realization of my sexuality, just having a moment about what to name it all and how to move forward with it. Could you dive into more about having relational romantic and sexual preferences being different? Don't want to take up space where I shouldn't. Thanks for your help. I love your question because I just hear care and compassion in it. You are very thoughtful, uh, very, very aware of yourself, very aware of how, you know, how you identify move through the world impacts others. So my stance is always this. People should be able to identify in whatever way is honoring who they are. And um, I think it's really important for people that are bisexual to come out and talk more about it because believe it or not, there are still some people that don't believe in it. We tend to have a little more belief in it for a woman. Uh, oddly, we've decided that women are allowed to be with men and women and we'll believe them when they choose a, you know, an opposite sexed partner and we'll let women explore and then come back and identify as hetero. But for men, we don't tend to afford that to them. If a man is ever with another man, we're like, they're gay, they're only gay, they're secretly gay. And if they claim bisexuality or explore with men and then say, but I want to be with women romantically, we don't accept that. So I think we need more bi visibility. So Sure, it could be by erasure if you're not willing to come forward about it. But, I, you know, again, having said you get to identify how you want, you also get to decide who you gift with the knowledge about who you are. Um, I like the activism woven in you coming out to everyone and reminding people that bisexuality exists and reminding them that just because I'm romantically involved with men exclusively, that does not mean that my sexuality is not bigger and broader than that. I'm just heteroromantic, interested in the opposite gender. But I'm bisexual, meaning sexually it includes all genders. So I like the idea of you coming out teaches people a few things. <laughs> also, is you gifting them deeper intimacy, which I think is a beautiful, loving act. Um, I don't think your partners have any more of a right to that than anyone else, but that's your choice. But yes, you can identify as bi because that is who you are. Um, I just love your question though, because it really gets a conversation started and it helps some people to make more sense of who they are in the world. And again, you coming out about this helps those around you maybe make more sense of who they are. That's the interesting thing about labels. They can confine us and limit us because we think if I'm hetero, I'm gonna to try to you know stay within those lines and people police those boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. But um, for other people, labels make them feel real, make them feel respected, helps them find community, helps them find resources, helps them explain themselves to others. So um, yeah, it's a great question though. I love people being that thoughtful. So anywho. Got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Got a question, topic, something you want us to circle back, cover, drop deeper into, let us know. We are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, reshare, re-listen, all sorts of stuff. We'll be back though, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around.
All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about attachment theory. Are we secure? Are we anxious? Are we avoidant? We're all working towards security. We're trying to create that in ourselves, offer that to other people, know where other people are at so we can help heal them. That's what relationships are about. Um, none of this work is to be weaponized. It's not to shame anyone. Again, it's just to have a little bit of a loose label, which again, like I said, our attachment style will change based on our partner choice and, and what their style is. Uh, people that are more secure will soothe us. People that are more anxious might make us more avoidant or anxious. It all kind of shifts and swirls. So it's a loose framework to understand what do we need to do. It's a loose framework to understand our partner so we can offer healing to them. Um, so we're gonna start with those that are anxiously attached. And what does the work look like? Because again, anxiously attached people tend to be jealous. They tend to worry a lot. They tend to really be clinging and controlling because they have anxiety about the fact, they have anxiety about whether or not that person is someone they can trust, whether or not they're gonna be there. They have fears of abandonment. And so this is the work. This is what, if you are identifying yourself as anxious, this is what you need to be focusing on. And if you have a partner that's anxious, this is what you wanna help them with. So the first thing is, when and if possible at all, date someone secure. Date someone who's consistent, date someone who's accessible, reliable, available, and that will immediately heal and resolve a lot of this. Um, learn secure skills. That's what we're talking about tonight. Learning what the work is, what it looks like. Um, also for people that are anxious, the work is about not constantly ruminating and obsessing. Where's my partner? When is, how long has it been since they texted me back? What are they doing? Who are they with? That's the, that's the spiral. Um, that's you being trapped in your own anxiety. And the work is about pushing on that. And we do that by focusing on more of our time and attention on our own lives and our own passions. If you're constantly spinning out, ruminating on where's my partner, what are they doing, why haven't I heard from them, that means you have too much free time and downtime. That time and energy and focus should go to something else. Start staying busy. Don't allow all that space to be focusing on that. That will burn you out. That will burn them out. Also learn healthy boundaries. A lot of anxious people don't understand what's expected or what's acceptable. And they have really bad boundaries, meaning they expect things they shouldn't. And they demand that and they ask for that versus learning that, hey, if my partner's out with his friends, I shouldn't hear from him. I should tell him, be with your friends and hit me up when you get home or tomorrow. Um, I shouldn't be, it's a poor boundary, an anxious person should say, if I'm expecting you to be texting me while you're with them or telling me who you're with and all of that mess. So practice secure, so a secure relational style by saying only to people you trust, because again, if you don't trust your partner, don't even date them, but with people you trust, go have fun and I'll see you when you get back. Start trying to practice living in a secure way. Um, also, accepting what your relational needs are without any shame. Because it's a little bit of both. I want you to practice being secure, but also not shaming your natural tendency to want a little more um, a little more confidence building from your partner, a little bit more of a check-in. It's okay to say, hey, you know, I get a little anxious when I don't hear from you. Is there any way we could talk a little more frequently or consistently? It's okay to also say that at the same time. Because we're working on being both authentic and accepting our needs while also trying to challenge ourselves to also expand and be a little bit better. Because we don't always want us, our anxiety to be centered because then we never get to really resolve it or learn how to tolerate some of that discomfort. We do have to learn how to sit in it. it. Can't always be immediately soothed. We can't keep going to our partner every time we're anxious to make us feel okay. That will burn them out. That is not their job. Um, we also want to breathe. Practice grounding yourself, breathing when you're feeling anxious or insecure, telling yourself, just because I'm not seeing them or I haven't heard from them, heard from them in a while, just because they're out with other people doesn't mean they're gone or I've lost them. They will be back. And that's why, again, we get to focus on some other thing to do with your time and energy. Practice understanding that that's an acceptable thing. Also breathing, or breathing, 
breathing and breath is the only way we can really regulate our nervous system when we're feeling overwhelmed or anxious. Get familiar tapping into that in the times when you need it so it's accessible. Also using effective communication. We can't get mad at someone when we can't get a hold of them. We can't get mad at someone when they're busy. We can't get mad at someone because we're anxious. So don't bring that energy to them. Soothe yourself a little bit and then reaching out saying, hey, how's your day been? I haven't heard from you. We're living from more confidence and security. Um, also don't assume the worst. Don't assume because you haven't heard from them, that means they don't love you or care about you. You have to always ask yourself, what's going on in their life? What might be going on in their day? It's called empathy. We often, when we're anxious, lack that. We just make it about us. Well, I haven't heard from them, so that's not okay. And I'm a victim now, and they don't care about me. Well, wow, that was very self-centered. They're living their own Monday. What might be going on for them as to why they're focusing on other things? Oh, that's right, they're at work. They should be focusing on their job. Oh, that's right, they're with their best friend. They should be focusing on time with their friend and not thinking about me right now. Oh, they might be having a hard day and really just don't want to talk. Understandable. I get that. I won't personalize that. It's a very important tool to have that empathy or that sense of what we call mentalization where you say, what might it mean for them? What might be going on for them or happening in their life right now? It's a skill we need globally. And also looking at intentions and not jumping to conclusions. That's kind of part of that empathy. What might, I, what might, what might they mean? What might they want? What might they need? I'm not just going to assume the worst all the time. And because I feel bad, assume that something bad happened because that's also not fair. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about the work for those that are more avoidant. Because again, we're identifying what we are. We're identifying what our partner is so we can get our needs met and we can practice being more secure and confident. And also, if we learn our partner style, we can also help soothe them because we're not trying to make people feel unsafe. We're trying to make them feel safe. Stick around. More to come. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about attachment styles. And for the break, we were talking about those that are more anxious, right? Which is they're clingy, uh, jealous, they worry a lot, they're controlling, they never feel safe, they never feel soothed, they struggle to trust. And we were talking about what their work is, um, trying to practice more security, focusing more on what's going on in their life versus worrying about what's happening with their partner, where their partner is. Uh, not shaming some of this anxiety and asking for some accommodations, but appropriately so. Breathing and calming ourselves down, not always assuming the worst. Worst. Um, also asking like what might be going on in their day as to why I haven't heard from them. Just And saying to yourself, just because I feel bad or I haven't heard from them doesn't mean something bad is happening or going on. Can I, can I right size this intensity and just wait until they are available and reach out? allowing some of that space, tolerating it. And then we have people that are actually the opposite. They're avoidant. They're not leaning in, they're leaning out. And now the caveat is if someone's just not interested, well then they should be acting uninterested and unavailable. So there's a distinction. An avoidant person in terms of attachment style, which we're talking about tonight, is someone who does like you, does want a relationship, but a lot of closeness and connection overwhelms them. And so they lean out, but they are interested. So we're not talking about people that might not be interested. That's not avoidance. That's just they're not interested uh, or they're not attracted to you or whatever. So for someone who's avoidant, the, the first thing they want to remember is stay longer. Don't run. Learn how to tolerate more. The work is about tolerating more and expanding what we can handle and tolerate. So it's expansion. Also for avoidant people, open up and share more. Talk more. Express more. 
communicate more. You tend, avoidant people tend to share less, express less, tend to be less present. So work on explaining more, telling more. If someone says, how's your day? Don't say things like good. Explain, give examples. Again, we're, we're practicing more intimacy, more presence. So we're not using one word answers. We're not doing things that have us sitting in silence. We're not just spending time with our partners while on our phones separately. We wanna learn how to sit there quietly with nothing, looking at them, talking about our days. We wanna give deeper, like I said, meatier answers. We're learning how to open up and share more, sitting in that longer. Also, avoidant people are really good at rationalizing, leaning out or not being that available by being overly picky. So their work, if you're avoidant, is to not focus on imperfections because you'll always find them and that'll be a good reason for your avoidance, but instead working on focusing on what you do value, what you are attracted to, what, you're, what you have gratitude for, which is a way of leaning in more and, and, and moving towards. We're not trying to do more avoidant, leaning away kinds of things. So we're not focusing on imperfections, we're focusing on what we value and, and prefer. We're looking for the great in others. We're doing gratitude lists about why we value the partner we have. That's really important for avoidant people. Also, we're getting away with this idea of like the one because avoidant people tend to want perfect because again, any flaw is a rationale for them to not be available or to be uninterested. And so we're getting away from the idea of the one and we're looking for good enough. I say that a lot to my avoidant partners. We're looking for good enough, someone that we enjoy and value enough. That's all it's about. Um, consistency, checking in regularly and regularly sharing how you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're needing. So I really work with avoidant people on being more present and more consistent. Don't text once a week. Don't text every other day. Maybe practice texting daily, if that makes sense, um, to the relational expectation, right? To the seriousness of the relationship, but texting daily, learning again, how to be close, how to be intimate, how to connect more, how to initiate connection. And in doing so, how to be more robust, which like I said, is about opening up and sharing more. Not just saying, hope you have a good day, which is like a thud with a period on the end of it, but instead, hope your morning's starting out great. Here's what I've been up to. That's more present, more intimate, more connected, closer. Um, what else? When fighting, because avoidant people aren't as accessible, they're not as available. So when you're in a fight, which is a very vulnerable time for secure people, but especially if your partner's anxious, you reassure them that you're not going anywhere. I'm angry with you, I'm upset, but I'm not leaving. It's okay, and it's important for avoidant people to reassure, because again, that's more intimacy and vulnerability for them to practice, but it's also soothing to the other person because you're often leaning out, you're often not accessible, and this is a way to really shore up some confidence with them, because fights are hard. And avoidant people take advantage of fights to disappear. Also, following through on plans and commitments, not coming off as flaky, because avoidant people can already come off as a little flaky, a little flimsy, a little distant, a little inaccessible. Because, right, we're working towards available, reliable, responsive, and consistent. Those are the words we want. So you're working on the opposite of what you naturally feel inclined to do, which is a really interesting thing to say to a client, you naturally lean out and lean away. So when you wanna lean out, I want you to practice leaning in. When you wanna run, I want you to practice staying put. When you wanna shut down, I want you to open up. Same thing with anxious people. When you feel overwhelmed, I want you to calm down. When you feel jealous and worried and threatened, I want you to remind yourself, this is someone I can trust. I need to act as though 
I trust that person. And so that I don't burn them down and burn them out and make this relationship have to end. And also that will soothe me more. I'm not going to feed that anxiety. And an anxious person needs to have resources, people around them that will also help anchor them and calm them down and not get them more amped by saying everything's okay. This person cares about you. They're just busy right now. They'll, they'll be back. Go distract yourself with something. Just because you feel bad doesn't mean something bad happened. They need people like that around them. It's very, very, very vital. So again, as you're noticing, we're connected to others. We need others. This is never just as simple as your self-contained unit. We are impacted by everything around us. And if we know what our work is and we know what our partner needs from us, we can create something more secure because everyone is in relationships wanting to feel safe and confident. No one enters relationships saying, I want this to trigger my stuff and make my life harder. So coming up next, though, we're going to talk a little bit more about this attachment style. You're going to hear a lot about it more and more if you haven't already. We're barely, barely scratching the surface because there's a lot into all, a lot to all this. So I'm trying to kind of give you the more important sound bites. Uh, so we'll come back, finish that up, and then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our love line at GPH questions, topics, whatever it is. We love to hear from you. And uh, we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes, binge, post, share, re-listen. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back and we're just wrapping up our discussion of attachment style because remember there's a secure, which is the goal, which we're trying to mimic and work towards. We're trying to learn what those skills are, what that looks like so we can actually bring that forward. Um, and that's about being consistent and available and reliable and responsive. Um, we're identifying where we are and our partners are so that we can help heal them and heal ourselves. Secure people effectively communicate. They have confidence and trust. They make their needs known. They don't play games. They can handle closeness, togetherness. They're present. Where anxious people are always jealous. They're always worrying. They're always controlling. They're always clingy. They're afraid that they're losing their partner, that their partner doesn't love them. They're threatened by everything. And then the avoidant people are always leaning out, leaning away, creating space, never really present, one word answers, playing games games, cold feet, minimize commitments, like, like creating and allowing a lot of distance and space. 
understanding where we fall on that helps us understand our work because we're trying to do the opposite. If you're anxious, you're trying to actually not live and act out that worry. You're not trying to stress or burn out your partner. You're trying to say, wait a minute, I only date people I can trust. And if I can't trust someone, I bounce. So I have to practice trust by not blowing their phone up, by letting time go by without hearing from them, by not always demanding to know what they're doing and where they are, being more appropriate, healthy boundaries, focusing some of my time and energy on myself, not always wondering where they are, what they're doing, creeping on their social media, uh, breathing when I need to calm down, connecting with friends so they can help soothe me and remind me everything's okay. I'm not assuming the worst all the time or abandonment. The avoidant people need to stay in relationships longer, open up and share more, not focus on the partner's imperfections as a way to not be present, um, checking in more often, more consistently, when fighting, letting them know they're not leaving, and really following through. Um, these are really, really important because with a secure relationship, you never have to wonder when your next date is because you always talk about it. Hey, what are you doing Wednesday night? Let's hang out. Cool. We always, we, you know, if you have to worry or wonder, then you're not necessarily secure or they aren't. Because secure people with secure people, we're always confident, we're always expressing our needs, we're transparent, we always know what time it is, what's going on, what they need, what they want, it's open. You never have to wonder where you stand. And if you do, you might be anxious or avoidant or they might be. Work on being more secure. Um, because what we're working on is how, you know, how well a couple works together, if they listen to each other, if they're able to soothe each other. That's really the goals that we're working towards. Because again, we don't move into relationships to make our lives harder, which is why we talk about all this. Because if we don't know what our style is, then we don't know what our work is. If we don't know our partner's style, then we don't know what they need from us to heal, for them to heal. Because again, remember, it's our early relationship and all the ones after it that heal us or continue to harm us. And at any time we can say, I'm gonna use the next or the current relationship I'm in as a way to start to trust, to start to be able to tolerate some space and distance and disconnection and not panic. Most people tend to skew anxious, um, threatened by everything, always jealous. And again, that's hard for you to live that way, it's also hard for your partner. It burns them out, it stresses them out. They always feel like it's something. It's always something, you're never happy. You wanna reel that in and do a little more self-soothing, working through it on your own, saying, is this right size? Based on what's going on, is my response the appropriate level of intensity? Probably not, let me crank it down. Also, is this their responsibility to soothe or heal or do I have to do this on my, on my own? Have they done anything wrong? And if not, let me, let me chill out. Let me practicing, practice learning how to chill out as I crank down the intensity by right-sizing it. Not everything needs to be brought to your partner. Before we bring something to our partners, we need to chill out a little bit, which means, like I said, checking in on the intensity, right-sizing it, and digesting it and working through it a little bit. We can't always bring raw, undigested, unprocessed emotion to our partners. It will burn them out. That is overwhelming. So we're not just telling it like it is and having no filter. That is the sign of someone who isn't mentally or relationally healthy. Because again, healthy people right-size their emotions. They check in on the appropriateness of their intensity based on what's going on. They also try to ground and soothe themselves a little bit before they talk to someone. And then they come in soft and loving and focus on connecting first. We talked about all that on another show, but I just wanted to kind of run through that. But remember, none of this is about weaponizing and attacking other people by labeling them. This is not about us shaming ourselves. We are where we are because of all the relationships we've been in. We are not a victim. We are also not the perpetrator. We are just where we are. And we're working on creating better and stronger relationships, but also finding secure people as well. 
don't be in relationships where we never can feel safe. So you have to, you know, sometimes with assess, is it the partner? Is it me? Blah, 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 blah. But the final landing point with all this is that our mental health is deeply tied to our relational health. We cannot have full mental health if we are not in healthy relationships. Those two impact each other directly. So that's why we do this work. And uh, also because if you're a parent, you want to stop the intergenerational transmission of all this because that's where all this begins based on how consistent, available, reliable, and responsive our parents are. And are they there to make us feel safe? Are they there to soothe us when we need them? Do they help us co-regulate? Or are they always telling us to do it on our own, go upstairs, eat this cookie, go play video game, and always sending us off, thereby telling us you can't rely on people. People aren't there for you, you know? So some familial work, family of origin stuff in there, also relational stuff. And we can also apply this to our friendships, you know? All right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. So you all know the drill. Got a DM for us, dropping the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back, though. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, guess what? Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Let's see what we got today. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've found myself at a weird crossroads in my life, and I'm not sure what to do. Remember, these aren't breakdowns. These are breakthroughs. They are not midlife crises. They are midlife breakthroughs. Uh, these are beautiful moments when people say, I'm at a crossroads. I am going up against myself, and I'm def- deciding who I want to be in the world and what kind of life I want to lead. Those are beautiful moments versus just unconsciously with your head down, putting one foot in front of the other, not even tracking where you're going, who you are, what's happening. So I already love where you're at. Do not panic. Back to your question. You said, I may be getting the opportunity of a lifetime to travel for a month and a half and work overseas. Beautiful. Congrats. That's awesome. However, it's making me very anxious and I feel like I'm unable to make decisions in my life romantically until this trip is over. Okay. So you're worried about getting into something leaving for a month and a half, struggling to maybe be fully present over there with connections over here and wondering if you can maybe be present to both, et cetera, et cetera, gotcha. You said what's frustrating is that the trip is not a, is not a for sure thing, but I don't want to go on it while in a relationship. The person I'm dating knows that I'm leaving. So it's kind of a mutual agreement that we will part ways. But what if I don't leave? Makes me anxious and I think I've already set up our relationship to fail. No way. Because remember, even if you decide to part ways and you do go, you can always come back and reach back out to them. I, I, I want people to get their egos out of the way because people say things like, well, I didn't mean enough to you before. Well, you know, maybe that's not true. Maybe both meant something to me. Or maybe, yes, at this time in my life, the travel and the overseas means more. That doesn't mean I can't come back and find more value in you or find value in both, but recognize I have to try to hold both and that you're going to be here. You're not going anywhere, but this trip is going somewhere. It's a once in a lifetime chance. And if I don't take it now, I can't circle back to it, but you, I can circle back to. So like, I want our egos to get out of the way. If someone doesn't feel that we're right from that one time, but they down the road, reach back out, give it a chance. You're, you're denying yourself happiness by saying, I'm not going to be here when you get back, or I'm not going to let you put that before me. Well, you're hurting, you're shooting your own self in the foot. So to the author of this question, be honest. I care about you. This is a once in a lifetime thing. I'm not going to pass it up. I want to be fully present when I'm there. If this happens, let's put it on pause. And when I get back, let's connect, see where we're both at, 
see how we both feel, see what we both want, and see if both of us are interested in picking this back up again. So I would keep it open as a possibility. You might even get over there and realize you still want to stay in contact while over there. I don't know why you feel like it has to be such a hard boundary. I don't know why you think being with them while over there will be a limit, but hey, go with it. I'll buy into that. Um, maybe you can still keep a friendship going or you can maybe make it more casual or maybe say, like I said, you're important to me. I can only do this now. I'm gonna step into that. Please support that. And when I get back, I'll reconnect and we'll see where we're both at. I have so many stories in my practice for the two decades I've done this of people getting divorced, taking years apart, and then coming back together and getting remarried because that's how life goes. That's honest. It's never over forever. You can circle back to things. You can circle back to a conversation that you want to repeat, revisit, or talk out again. You can circle back to a former partner and say, I've been thinking about you. How, what, are you available? Are you interested? We have to be more fluid. We have to not be so ego-driven, which is about creating this hard lines and putting our worth on the line. You know, if this person cares about you, they'll be like, go, stay in contact, or go, hit me up when you get back. I think there's something beautiful in that. So that's my thoughts on that. I think you can do it all, and I want this person to want you to do it all. I wish I knew why you didn't think you could be with them while over there, but let's go with it, like I said. So yeah, those are the options. Relationships are important, but so are the other goals in our lives. And you know, this is what's meaningful to you right now. And I'm really excited for you because this is a really strange time for people and not everyone's getting opportunities or thriving. And so I love hearing about that. And I want you to really fully celebrate that. And um, I appreciate your honesty and I appreciate the compassion that you have for this other person. We need more of that. Um, people are a little too me, me, me focused. And I see you trying to kind of like hold space for all of it. So yeah, good luck. Let me know. I love when people circle back and kind of follow up and let us know. People don't often do that, but um, yeah. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Got a question for us? Topic you want us to hit? Something you want us to circle back to? Drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes, as always, is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. Lots of good stuff over there. You can binge, post, listen, share. But uh, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. As always, all thanks for hanging out. And you enjoy the rest of your night. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 